Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. It's a pretty big week for the Cubs. They play the red hot Atlanta Braves at Wrigley Field. Adbert Alzolai makes his first start as a major league ball player. He's already made one MLB appearance. We also have some drama with catchers. I'm sure you all know what that's about. And we talk about some hypothetical trade targets. All this and more on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Yourself? I am doing just fine. The weather here in Chicago is very whack. It has either been super sunny and nice or incredibly stormy with hail and all sorts of good things, which some people have raised concern with the Cubs game tonight, Adbert Azulai's first start. Looks like it's going to be okay, though. So, can't complain. We've had a similar thing going on down here in Nebraska. Down in it the seems sticks. like it's kind of a nationwide thing. Yeah, it's been a weird, weird stormy season. It doesn't really feel like we've actually had summer weather yet. Yeah, it has been very odd. Speaking of very odd, I think... What today we're recording this right before the game where Alzolai, and by the way, it's pronounced Alzolai, folks. That's what Len Casper said. Uh, we're right before his first major league start. Uh, so by the time a lot of people are listening to this, he would have already started, whether it's good, bad, meh. But that would normally be the big story of the day. But something else happened in last night's game that's maybe taken a little bit of that spotlight away. And that's the whole Wilson Contreras, Tyler Flowers ordeal. Uh, were you watching that game last night? I doubt you were. No, I didn't. I didn't get to watch it live, but I, I've seen a lot of the, the, the recap of it. You have a pretty good idea of what happened, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, basically to lay it out as simply as I can, uh, Wilson Contreras has beef with the umpire. Tyler Flowers does a little smirk and kind of gets involved. Wilson Contreras doesn't like that. Wilson Contreras then hits a bomb out of the park uh, to the opposite field and right. Wilson Contreras turns his head towards the umpire slash Flowers. And then all hell broke loose for about 20 seconds. And then it kind of just ended. Yeah. So I think... For the most part, I think people are making too big a thing out of this. I agree. Um, but there, I have two thoughts on the matter. So firstly, when a hitter has beef with the umpire over a called strike or a ball, that's between those two. I agree. And there's really no reason for the catcher to interject in that. I, I just think that, you know, I would prefer it. You know, there's bad calls and sometimes you know players get heated and that's fine it's going to happen i would prefer if it happened less than it does but really that should just be between the batter and the umpire there's no reason there's no real reason for tyler flowers to be involved in that so no, there isn't in that regard i think he's a little bit in the wrong and then after the home run i believe what what i've always been told which is that the the best form of revenge is success. And so I think that the home run is enough and there's really not any reason for Willie to also start jawing after that. Not, 
saying I have a huge problem with it, but I almost think it would have felt even more sweet if he'd have just hit that bomb and then ran to the dugout and maybe even just looked at the catcher. But all in all, I think the whole thing was overall unnecessary and also way overblown, too. It's just not as big a deal as people seem to think it is, but, you know, that's baseball. Well, you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention was after that whole, like, altercation on the field where the benches cleared and all that happened, as soon as that ended, nothing else happened. There was no jawing in between. There was no pitchers hitting batters. There was none of that. There was no beanball. There was really nothing else happening on the field after that. So, I mean, really what I think should have happened is it should have just been a little tense moment that went away and it was done for. I mean, Wilson Contreras in the postgame said, look, I told him, you do your job, I'll do mine. And it, it would have seemed like that was the end. And then Tyler Flowers takes to Instagram and is responding to all these people on yeah, Instagram. I saw that. And what dude's in his 30s, too. Like, grow up. Seriously. I mean, what what's that all about? Yeah, that's, and, just, and don't that's act, just being petulant. It don't act like they have shown multiple clips of Tyler Flowers throughout his career complaining about balls and strikes as a batter. I don't don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. If Wilson Contreras wants to jaw the umpire, stay in your damn lane. Stay in your lane. Yeah, exactly. That's. I think that that is the most important thing. I can't stress that enough. That arguments over balls and strikes are between the hitter and the umpire, and that's it. And when Tyler Flowers gets involved in that, he's he's just opening the door for trouble to start happening. Yeah, and, and look, I get that emotions boil over on the field in the moment. It's it's part of sports. It's part of baseball. But you just got to let it go. When the game's over, you say it happened, you move on. Yeah. There's no reason to keep doing that. But just, just to go on Instagram and do that. Like, you are fueling flames that shouldn't even be lit at that point. There's no reason for it. Right. The whole thing could have been avoided. There, there's really no reason that this kind of thing has to happen. And I'd love to think that this is over and done with, but we've got another game tonight, and who's to say if something happens or not? Hey, if they want to hit Willie and put him on base, I mean, that's on them. So all I can say is we got Adbert Alzali going tonight, and he's a rookie pitcher making his first start. Um, it, what What wouldn't surprise me is if, you know, maybe he gets the jitters, he loses control a little bit, he hits a brave on accident. Then, you know, people think, oh boy, they're hitting him on purpose. And then it's going to boil again when it really shouldn't. So uh, the whole thing, I just think, it is just, like you said, way, way out of proportion. Yeah. Teams should just move on from that stuff. Nothing else happened afterward. Um, but I don't know if this it's, is the end we're going to be hearing yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's hard saying. And I wish I wish that wasn't the, the primary topic of discussion because it it really should be Adbert's night. I mean, this is this is a big moment for him and for the Cubs, his, his first big league start. And we have high hopes for him because, you know, we, we've said it countless times now over the last couple of years, the Cubs farm system is pretty depleted at the moment. And Alzali is is one of their big guys that they've got remaining, and 
Who knows? Maybe this guy's the next Fergie, er, Fergie Jenkins. Excuse me. Probably not, but a kid can dream. And I mean, this is the first time we're really looking at a prospect that's a pitcher. You know, we've been so excited over the years seeing Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Jorge Soler when he was coming up with us, Anthony Rizzo when he was coming up for the first time with the Cubs. I mean, those were all offensive players. This is really the first time we're hyping up a prospect who's a pitcher coming up that's not a reliever like Carl Edwards Jr. was. Yeah. And so the question is, is if he has success and everybody else, if Kyle Hendricks gets healthy, does Adbert find a way to stay in the rotation? Do you think that if he performs well enough, he forces their hand and makes them find a way to, to keep starting him even when everybody's healthy again? Well, I think you have to, if, if he's part of who your get, success, who gets pushed, who gets pushed out though, or do they go to a rotation. six man? Ah, oh, man. I'm Joe man's not... done that before. He has. I wouldn't rule it out. I'm I'm personally not a very big fan of the six-man rotation. I think it throws guys, I think it throws everyone off their groove just a little bit, but that's not to say that they couldn't find another rhythm again. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think that the Cubs right now, the pitching has been so inconsistent and so shaky that if Alzali is looking really sharp as a starter, then you, yeah, you got to find a way to just keep starting him. Absolutely. I totally agree. And we saw what he looked like for the first time in the majors against the Mets last week. And it was pretty impressive. You saw the fastball in the mid to upper 90s. You saw the movement on the breaking ball. He was spotting his pitches very well. And if you noticed, he was hitting all the corners. So strike one would be up and away. Strike two would be down and in. Like he was changing like the hitter's eye level. He was doing so many things. What did he get, like four strikeouts in a row at one point? I mean, he was looking sharp. He looked really sharp. Yeah, that was a that was a great first appearance in the big leagues. Tonight's going to be a tough test, though. I mean, oh, yes. Uh, the Braves, this is this is not a lineup that you can that you can count on having you, know, you can breeze through. This is a really tough challenge for your first big league start. Top to bottom. I mean, you got yeah, Freddie I mean, Freeman in the middle uh, yeah, and all those Freeman, other guys. Acuna, Albies. I mean, that's that's not a cupcake lineup. That's a tough one. Yeah, you don't look at like a part of the lineup and say, okay, there's some easy outs there. No. Yeah. It is top so, to bottom good. Yeah, considering it's the Braves and their their lineup is pretty great. Uh, you know, as much as I would love for Alzali's first start to, you know, be seven innings, ten Ks, I I think if he can get through five and limit the damage to like two or three without walking too many guys, I'd consider that a a pretty successful first big league start. I can agree with that. It's hard to have major expectations for a kid making his first start against a team like this. Yeah. On a night where the ball is going to be traveling. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no expectations from him tonight. I think whatever happens, happens. And you, you just can't read too much into it if he gets shelled. Uh, but I, I absolutely would not be shocked if he had a terrific night either. You know, we hope for the latter, but I think if the former is what ends up happening, you, you can't really hold it against him. And circumstances, it's it's not really his place. You know, it's one thing if it's Darvish or Lester, any of these guys, really, any of the other starters, you could consider them veterans. And you expect a little more consistency out of them at this point. But Alzali, this is a big ask for him to have a terrific start tonight. It could happen, but I'm, you know, 
we can't we can't have too high of expectations for him tonight. Absolutely. He's going to have plenty of chances to show what he's worth. Making your big league start, your first one, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, maybe he sees more pressure being at home. Maybe he sees less pressure yeah. being at home. Uh, the opponent is obviously a big factor in this. The weather at Wrigley Field is always a big factor. There's a lot going on in this game. And yeah, I don't know if the whole... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. It's I obviously I can't speak from experience. I, I wouldn't know, but I would think that there would be more pressure making your first start at home. I mean, I don't know if people would agree with me on that or not, but when everybody's cheering so loudly for you, and I could see both arguments that that could help you or that that could increase the pressure. I personally, I if it was me, I think I would feel less pressure on the road. And he's got a taste already of what it's like to have the home crowd cheer you on from that first appearance. That's true. That's true. Which you could look at either way. You could say, hey. starts a different animal, though. It it is a different animal. I mean, you could look at it and say, hey, I know I got my crew backing me up, crew in terms of fan base. But you could also say, well, the last time I pitched here – it was a relief appearance, but their expectations are high, so they're probably going to hold those high expectations. It's yeah. hard to know what's going through his head. I think I think my whole thing, if, if that was me, if I was in that position, I would be scared to death going, oh, my God, I don't want to get booed by my home crowd in my very sure. first start. That would That would be my biggest scare. Yeah, no, I would be right there with you, too. I will never experience that, but if that were me, that's I, probably how I'd feel as well. I, I would hope that Cubs fans wouldn't boo a rookie in his first start, but it's hard saying sometimes. Well, you know how sports fans are. If yeah. the athletes don't give you what you want, there will be unpleasantries. There will be boos. I mean, my whole thing with him is he doesn't have to like throw a shutout or even... No, no. You know, he if he if the stuff looks good... And Freddie Freeman just beats him or any of those guys because of how good they are while like looking good, throwing good stuff. Then you say, you know what? As long as the stuff looks good, you just got beat by a a more experienced veteran lineup that has absolutely mashed this year. You know, you can live with that. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not expecting perfection or or really anything close to that at all. That I think that if he can just give them enough to keep them in the ball game that's really all you can ask for tonight yeah maybe it'll be a slugfest maybe it'll be a pitcher's duel you just you never know with these things I, this is a gonna be a long four game set it was very good that the cubs jumped out in front yesterday that nice five run inning where they didn't really slug the ball they just hit him where they weren't they kept the line moving and you know as much as people like home runs Sometimes I prefer those innings where they just put the ball in play and keep the line moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they've had a lot of games like that where they're not really scattering one or two runs across multiple innings. They're just they're getting eggs, putting goose eggs up most innings and then having like a six-run inning. Does it seem like that? Like they've had a ton of games go that way this year? They do not spread out their scoring. I mean, do you remember? No, they the do it in trip? bursts. Right. Yeah. It, on the road trip, they would start by 
scoring a few in the first inning or so, maybe the first two, three, and then it would just stop. And then the game where Rizzo won it with the home run, I mean, all their runs were on that one swing. I You saw last night, too, they scored most of those runs in that one inning, and then in the other innings, they scored a few, but not a lot. They didn't really spread their scoring out a lot. It was mainly done at one time. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's frustrating. I would I would like to personally I would prefer if they were a little more consistent throughout the game rather than having these one inning bursts of a bunch of runs because you know, one is more sustainable than the other. And I think that's a big part of why why they've had kind of a cold streak lately before they they've won their last two games, but before that they've been kind of skidding a little bit. But this is this is just kind of who they are, and they've established that years ago. You know, that's it's a power hitting team that does it in bursts. And as much as I would like to see them manufacture runs a little better, this is just kind of who they are. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, also to your point, when the Cubs won that game against the Mets, Baez hit the three run home run to win the game eventually. I mean, most of he's that been, damage was done right there. He's been playing a little better lately. He was he was falling on some hard times there, and he was. He he's he, his last few games have been pretty good. Yeah, he had a couple hits yesterday. He had that game winning three run home run. He's he's coming up in the right spots, which is nice. And you expected Bias to go through a little bit of a slump eventually, but oh yeah, yeah. You know, it seems like he's coming back around, and you knew he was he going to come back around. He was he was due for a little bit of a slump, to be honest. I mean, I I didn't expect him to be a three twenty hitter from game one to game one sixty two. It's just not oh, gonna no. happen. Every player on the team is gonna have slumps. Baez did not have one yet. He was due. He was probably Nothing. the only one that didn't really have a slump. Yeah. Until- honestly, it's it's really impressive how long he went without having any kind of slump. I mean, he for a he guy like really he is, long time. for a free swinger. Yeah, like he, for for somebody who's so susceptible to striking out a lot, he he went a long time batting lights out. Yeah, we're gonna stay on the topic of offense because I did a piece for Cubby's crib today, and this is something that a lot of people have been talking about. It's adding another bat. Now, before we get into this group of options or potential targets, whatever you want to call them. Here is a stat line I want to read to you, and I think you will agree, as will every Cubs fan on earth, that this stat line is not necessarily pretty. Are you ready? Shoot. Here are the slash lines for Daniel Descalso, Addison Russell, Carlos Gonzalez, and Albert Elmora in the month of June. So Descalso, 118, 318, 118. Addison Russell, 167, 229, 238. Carlos Gonzalez, 184, 319, 316. Albert Almora, 196, 229, 217. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Can I can I just say Addison Russell's playing too much? Do you, would you agree with that? Yes. 
Yes. And th- this has nothing to do with the off-field stuff. The, he He's playing too much for what – and I get that, you know, what, what they're getting out of everybody, they're a little thin for depth at the moment, but why not make Bodie your regular second-base guy for now and, ha- and buy as a shortstop? That's Am I right, wrong Juan. here? I mean, no, I mean, Bodie. Bodie's been swinging an okay bat lately, and I would, I would much rather have Bodie at the plate than Russell right now. It's not even close. I mean, Theo Epstein was just saying how he was having like right hand troubles. It was a pinky or a finger or something. There, there was some injury there where he's like, "Yeah, well, he's not playing one hundred percent because of that." Well, then why don't you IL him? I, it, he's not going to give know. you anything. So. I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. I don't either. I don't either. All I know is that I'd like to see Bodie in the lineup more than Addison Russell. I am not a big fan of having both of them in there together. But, you know, Same. I understand that sometimes your hands are tied and that's what you got to do. But I, personally, I would like to see that infield pretty much regularly be Bryant, Baez, Bodie, Rizzo. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. And the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up, too, is, well, two things. First of all, Daniel Descalso continues to look really bad. But when I watch him play, I don't know if it's just me, but he just looks hurt. Like, he doesn't look healthy the way he moves. Yeah, he just, he doesn't look right. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't really noticed that i mean that you you could definitely be right i think either either way something's wrong whether it's physical or mental something's wrong and uh he should probably yeah this is a tough situation because part of you says well he's playing so horribly you can't put him in the lineup you can't have him playing but if you do that he's not gonna he's not gonna shake off this slump and get any better uh but you know the flip side of that coin too is you, you just can't have him in there I mean, right. I mean, detrimental to the team. You're not here to try to break slumps. You're trying to win ball games. Yeah, we we've talked about that so many times that with this tight race, what the Cubs are up, what a half game right now. I think one game now, since because the Brewers up, did not play last night. Okay, so they're up one game. Yeah, you can't afford to give any games away, not a no. single one, unless they're unless they're up double digit games by August. Yeah, you can't afford to to tinker like that and try to break slumps if it means that your chances of winning the ball game go down. You just can't. There's there are no giveaways anymore. Do you remember in 2016 when the Cubs were up like nearly 20 games and uh Joe Madden would just put in like screw yeah. it lineups? Yeah, and that was fine then, but circumstances now are different and you don't have Very that different. luxury anymore. No, yeah, you you can't do that now. You got to you got to play every game like it's a one-game lead, basically, because yeah, of yeah, how close it is. It's all about the wins, baby. And if that means Descalso doesn't get any more hits, then so be it. The other thing I wanted to mention was, I know we've talked about this before, but I'm just going to say it again. I think it's pretty clear to me that Carlos Gonzalez is not going to work no it's not working it's the bat speed is not there no and And it it was listening uh first pitch of adbert alzali's first start is a home run uh, so not a great start no 
Well, that's uh, that's less than ideal. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. Wow. It was. I mean, it was, it was way bomb, out. Huh? Like, I think it hit the video board. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, First pitch tough. of the ball game. That's tough. Well, maybe that'll calm him down now. Get that out of the way and just settle in and just throw. Hopefully. Either uh, Anyway, like back to what we were saying, uh, you saw yesterday, I can't remember which at bat it was, but he got like a fastball right down the middle in the upper 90s, and he could not catch up to it. Like he was just way behind. The bat speed is just not there. Yeah, he's he's just not the cargo of old anymore. It's it, he's not that that part of his career is is long since gone. And I was okay. I was perfectly fine with the cargo signing because it was entirely low risk. Entirely low risk. They've they've lost nothing on this. Uh, they gave it a shot. It could have worked out. It's looking like it's not going to. And that's frankly that's all right. Yeah, I was all for taking a shot. I think. We're at the point where, and we're going to start looking at these names now, we're at the point where if you're going to get a bat, you need to get a bat that isn't potential slash see if you can do something better in a change of scenery. You want someone who's doing well as it is. Carlos Gonzalez was a waiver because he has a great resume, but he hasn't been the same in a year or so. I mean, he was released by the Indians already. So I think they need to kind of step away from those types of moves and say, look, we got to get a bat that we know we can trust right now. Yeah, they gave, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. They gave it a shot. It was worth a try, but yeah, I think at this point it's fair to say the cargo experiment uh, has failed. It's probably not going to work out and we've got to be nearing the time where they move on. Yeah. I mean, before they move on, they're going to have to find a replacement first, but we'll see when that happens. So here's, Here's a few guys that I looked at as potential trade candidates. Not guys we're going to trade, guys we're going to trade for. Now, keep in mind that not all these are necessarily realistic. The Cubs do not have a bunch of assets. Uh, some of these guys are under contract for more than a year and are making a lot of money. So the whole financial constraint thing is also probably going to be a factor. But we're going to read off some names because some do make sense and some would probably be doable for the Cubs. I think the one that everybody wants is probably the one that's least likely because of what he demand. Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals on the year hitting 303, 350, 506 with 11 home runs, 122 WRC plus. This guy's under contract for multiple years, but he's going to be a hot commodity. At yeah. the trade deadline. It's here's the thing. It it sounds like there's gonna be less sellers than usual than we're used to seeing. And so the price for guys like that, it's it's gonna be higher than than in previous years. And I think the Royals probably could get a lot more for Whit Merrifield than what the Cubs could offer them. So yeah, yeah as, as nice as that would be, I just don't see that one happening. I don't either. They'd have to get really creative to, to pull that off, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't really expect it to happen. I think a team that has 
a good pool of prospects, financial stability, will be able to go out and get a Whitmerfield. I'm pretty confident that this is going to be the year the Royals trade him. I mean, they're well on their way to 100 losses. They're not anywhere close to contending. The guy kind of came out of nowhere. He's 30 years old now. You have a chance to really get a haul for him. So this is where I think he gets traded. I think so, too. I I think it would be a smart move. You know, you hate to you hate to see your favorite team trade one of their only good players, but that's the way the business is now. Indeed. The next guy, we've talked about this before, Howie Kendrick. You look at his numbers so far this year, 335, 388, 588 with 12 homers in 63 games. He is third on the Nationals in OBP and tied for second in home runs hit. The leader on that team in all those categories is obviously Anthony Rendon. Another asset that people would like, but that's a rental and that is going to cost you something. The other thing about the Nationals is this. As they stand, as we're recording the show, they're three games below 500. My bet is they're going to be sellers, but right now they're pretty far out of a division. But in terms of a wild card, they're not completely out of it yet. So I don't even know if they're going to be selling or not for sure, even though I think they will be. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I just don't I think know. they should sell. I think they should. I just should. don't know if they will. They've they've definitely underperformed. I think they've got they've got a halfway decent roster. They should be better than they are, but but it doesn't look like it's going to get a lot better. No, they've been playing better lately, but how long that's going to last, I don't know. I mean, you look at the team, it's built to win. Even without Bryce Harper, you look at the rotation, you look at some of the guys in that lineup, it's built to win. And they know that Anthony Rendon's going to be a free agent next year. Unless they extend the guy. I don't see that. He's he's because he's I mean, he's he's a really underrated player. And the analytics guys in the front offices, they know that. And I think he's he's going to get a good haul. And I'm not sure that with the national circumstances right now being that they're kind of on the downturn. I'm not sure they're really in a place where they would want to be handing out a mega deal to somebody. Probably not. Probably going in the opposite direction. I I would I would think that Rendon would be going elsewhere. That's my opinion. But that's that's if I was a betting man, I'd say he was out of there next year. Yeah, I would too. Someone's going to give him a nice payday. But Howie Kendrick, if you put him on the Cubs and you put him at second base, that would look pretty dang good. I mean, that would that solidify would that position. That would. That's that's another guy that I think will be in high demand, though. So it's yeah. it's it's hard saying if the Cubs are going to be able to pony up enough uh, prospects to pull something like that off. I I don't know. Maybe Ian Happ's the guy. Yeah. I I, I personally that I mean I'd do it. I mean you hate to you hate to trade a, a young guy with talent away for somebody who's at the end of their career, career, frankly. I mean, Howie Kendrick's in his mid-30s, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at so the that, same time, that, you're trying to win now. Yeah, you're trying to win now, and, and where where's Hap going to play anyway, you know? Yeah. yeah. Bodie's been playing well. I'm fine with having him in the infield. Uh, it's, it's It just looks a little too crowded for Hap. I mean, I, I guess you put him in the outfield, but I don't think too highly of his defense in the outfield, and 
Not in and center field. No, not in center field. Definitely not in center field. And it's, I don't know. I, I just think that it's weird. I thought he would have been called up by now, to be perfectly honest. I think honest. a lot of people... I, I yeah I I figured he would be on the big league club by now and the fact that he's not tells me things aren't going very well in Iowa and they yeah, are not looking to are. they're looking to see more from him so I don't know what that says about his value on the trade market either it definitely doesn't help matters any I don't think it's doing his value any favors that's for sure because while he's had some good moments in AAA he's also had a lot of struggles I think that's very accurate to say. Yeah, I I still think that if he if he doesn't get traded, I still think he'll make the big league club eventually. But yeah, I, I am a little surprised he isn't there yet. Yeah, I mean, I thought when he was sent down right before the season, my thought was he'll spend a few weeks there, maybe a month, and then by mid-May he'd be up. But clearly not the case. No, little discouraging. Indeed. So the next guy I have is a little interesting. This guy I feel like is quite affordable. He's not necessarily an everyday player, though, nor is he more value in terms of just an overall player. He's He'd pretty much be like a platoon guy, and I'm talking about Nick Castellanos from the Tigers. You don't want his defense in there every day. His career, negative 33 DRS and negative 24.7 ultimate zone rating pretty much confirm the eye test that he's not a very good defender. His numbers on the year as a total with hit in terms of hitting is 269, 328, 452, seven home runs, 105 WRC plus. You'd say those are solid numbers, right? Yeah. Nothing great, yeah, nothing not bad. bad. Yeah, that's about it's a little better than average maybe. Yeah. That's that's absolutely. the that's yeah, that's exactly the kind of player who would be affordable for the Cubs. And I I think he would fit in nicely with the team that would give them some good depth. Uh he'd be the kind of guy that I guess that you would you'd give him some starts every once in a while and then maybe replace him for better defense later in the game. That seems like a really ideal Cubs move. Here's where the most of his value comes in. This year, he's slashing 295, 385, 523 against lefties. So if there's a lefty on the mound and you want a nice bopper in the lineup, you could put in Nick Castellanos. That could be the guy, yeah. I, I think Castellanos would be a, a good, uh, that'd be a good move. That would be solid. And, and I think it's realistic. You know, we, can, yes. we could talk all day long about guys that we would really love to have on the team, but the truth is a, a lot of them, Right now, with what the Cubs have in the farm, just they just aren't realistic. Nick Castellanos is realistic. Right, exactly. It's it's one of those things where you can see a deal getting done. I mean, right now, the Detroit Tigers don't have a lot of veteran assets to trade. Nobody's no. taking Miguel Cabrera at this point. And Nick Castellanos is probably your best bet for a, a veteran bat to be traded. There's really not much on that team. I mean, have you seen that team? Yeah, they're in free fall. Oof. They're in free fall, and they have been for a while. I mean, I, I know they're rebuilding technically right now, but they are a long way from contending. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's not good. They have a, a negative 140 run differential this year. Yikes. Yeah, you heard that right. Negative 140, which is not the worst in the major leagues. It is the second worst. You, can you guess who's 
Who's first? First Kansas with the City? worst? Nope. Orioles. Yes. Negative yeah. 181, the, the what, Orioles. What's the Marlins? The Marlins, the Marlins are negative 70. Wow, that's better than I thought. But then yeah. again, yeah. the Marlins pitching lately has actually been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's... I. Any any bad team can have a little bit of a, a decent streak, I, I guess. I'm, I'm not reading too much into that. The, the team that surprises me the most this year is the Rays, because I really expected the Rays to be trash. I thought last year was so did a I. anomaly. Uh, so credit where credit's due, they must have some pretty stellar coaching and managing going on down there, because on paper they don't have a ton of talent. And they made a very nice trade with the Pirates. They gave up Chris Archer for a number of those young guys. Uh-huh. And they're I still, doing very well. I still say they did that too. It's working out nicely, but I still say they traded him too late. I think he, he could have had astronomical value at one point, and they each year they held on to him, he lost a little bit more. Oh, yeah. A few years ago, he was probably the hottest commodity at the trade deadline, and by the time they yeah. traded him, he was past that. You know what? Speak... This is a little off topic, but speaking of trades a few years ago, can you remember when Javi Baez for Tyson Ross was a really talked about thing? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if that had actually happened? And I can't remember which way. it Was it the Cubs who were willing to give Baez for Ross, or was it – I can't remember who, who was I don't remember no. either. Imagine being the Padres and saying, no, Javi Baez isn't enough for Tyson Ross. You think they're regretting that now? <laughs> oh my! Well, they God. already did trade us Anthony Rizzo for Andrew Kashner. So that's true. That's true. They've we've already fleeced him once on on trades, but oh my God! I, I it would just kill me to see Javi Baez doing what he's done for the Padres, and for us to have Tyson Ross, who's barely in one piece these days. Isn't he with the Tigers now? I don't even know what he's doing. I have no idea where he's at, if he's even playing. All I know is that it's after those trade rumors, it, his career his career really derailed. He, he yeah. never Yeah, it looks like he's with Detroit and he's got a six point one one ERA this season. <laughs> well remember the other Baez rumor with Atlanta? Uh what was what was it the was... Atlanta one? It was actually reported by, I think, Gordon Wittenmeyer or one of those guys that it was a done deal and it wasn't. It was for Shelby Miller. Oh, oh, my God. I've, I've almost completely forgotten about Shelby Miller. Wow. Well, well, he had that year with the Braves where where he had a really good ERA, but his record was like one of the worst in the league because the yeah. Braves couldn't score at all. But man, he never really... He never really put it all together either. He pretty much had the one stellar year, and that's basically been the highlight. What's he up to this year? He's one and three with an eight point three seven ERA with the Texas Rangers this year. He's not even with the Diamondbacks no, anymore, he's, is he? He's not even in Arizona. No. I want to talk about a terrible trade. Yeah, he, last year he only pitched ten innings, and he had a ten uh, or sixteen innings, excuse me, and he had a ten sixty nine ERA. 409 ERA the year before that, 615 ERA the year before that. Oh, man. After 2015, it, it all went downhill. 
and Ooh. man, he was he was a hot he was the hot commodity of the time at 2015. Man, remember he was originally with the Cardinals, and then they sent him to Atlanta for Jason Hayward, mm-hmm. and then Hayward would then sign here the next year. So yep. he's traveled around. Man, yeah, Shelby Miller's seen better days. Holy cow! Indeed. So the next bat I wanted to talk about is somebody that Cubs fans are very familiar with, but they may have forgotten about and may be surprised to see how good he's doing at this point. I bet you have no clue who I'm talking about. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Neil Walker, yeah. Hooray! Yeah! You get a sticker. So Neil Walker with the Marlins, I mean, can you blame anyone for forgetting about him? When you go to the Marlins, you're pretty much forgotten about, so. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's baseball purgatory, and Neil Walker's been a solid player pretty much his whole career. Yes, he has. And that's, that would, that would be a good addition, and he's having a, a nice year at the plate. He's, he's older, he's, he's not the kind of guy who could play every day for the Cubs, because I think the Cubs just have too much talent on their team right now to to play a guy like neil walker all the time i think neil walker would be a little more on the expensive side too because i I would imagine that a lot of teams are going to be inquiring about him see i don't think he's going to cost that much don't you i i don't i mean first of all it's the marlins we're talking about And, and two We've seen Neil Walker get traded around in years past, and he really hasn't gotten much of a return. Nothing That's true. That's least. true. But, I mean, he is a veteran. You're going to have a little bit of veteran leadership there. He's got a terrific slash line this year. There's really not much pop there. There's not a whole lot of run production going on. But overall, he's solid. I think you, you can count on him to put up a, a good at bat. He's not going to strike out a whole bunch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of teams are going to be asking about him. I don't necessarily think he's going to cost an arm and a leg. I agree with that, but I think that the Cubs are just going to have a lot of competition too. I think that there's going to be multiple teams asking about him. I mean, there could be, I think when teams are going to be looking into Neil Walker, they're all going to be pretty much saying the same thing. We're just looking for a veteran stick to to put in there. Not like he's going to be the big difference maker, the big right. blockbuster. There's nowhere near that. But I, I can I can at least agree that teams will probably be looking at and him. And he he moves around a little too. He can play more than one spot in the infield, which is true. He's mainly second, but yes, he can move and around that's, a bit. That always that makes guys more intriguing. There's a lot of utility men that could potentially be available you look at a lot of these guys they play multiple positions so it makes it interesting and for the cubs too considering they have so many guys as it is on the roster there's a lot of shuffling to be done yeah i i think neil walker nick castellanos or neil walker either of those guys would be great additions to the team i guess if i had to choose i i would i would prefer walker i think he's probably the more productive bat of the two or at least the more consistent bat you could play him against righties or lefties uh i wouldn't necessarily 
necessarily feel comfortable with Nick Castellanos making a bunch of starts against righties. But yeah, I, I would expect that the Cubs would make a move along those lines, get somebody like that at the trade deadline. I think we could pretty much count on something like that. And maybe, maybe a more name. middle tier reliever too. One more name I have. And okay. I, this one may make you cringe, may intrigue you. I don't really know how you're going to take this one. Okay. Melky Cabrera. What are your initial thoughts before looking at any stats? Melky Cabrera, huh? Mm-hmm. I guess my, my first thought when you say that name is he's still a thing? He is still a thing. He's playing on the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's played in 67 games this year. And every time I think of Melky Cabrera, I think, okay, this guy is probably washed up, not doing what he's doing before. But he's slashing 313, 349, 438 in 67 games. He does not strike Mm. out a lot at all. He puts the ball in play. He can play the corner outfield. He's on a one-year, $1.15 million deal. He's probably going to be really cheap. So, I don't want him. He's a he's a Reuter. He's a former Reuter. That was a long time ago. I don't care. I mean, it was that was 2012. That's not that long ago. That was his one All-Star season, and he was juicing. He's a career 286 hitter, 336, 418. Puts the ball in yeah. play. It's a lot of line drives. Switch hitter. I suppose. I, I'm not super high on Melky Cabrera, but I suppose. I doubt they go Christ after Melky right. Cabrera. He's just a name I'd throw out there. He's been around quite a while. He's had a long career. Yes, he has. And I'll never forget when he got suspended for steroids because he was like on pace to get like well over 200 hits. Remember he was leading the majors in hits mm-hmm. for the All-Star game? His yeah. one year in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It turns out he was juicing. Da juice. But, I mean, the guy's overall a good hitter. Not an on-base machine, but he'll oh, yeah. make no, contact. No doubt about that. No doubt about that, yeah. So you would probably stick by either a Castellanos or a Neil Walker then, out of yes. all those names, realistically. Yeah. And you know, cost-wise, because, yeah, we'd all like well, what I America think, is, but... I think I think an infielder would, would be a better fit on this team than an outfielder, too, anyway. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's very fair. You look at the number of guys who are struggling on that second-base mark, plus you don't have Ben Zobrist, so you don't really know what's going on there. And I don't think a move for a bat in any position is any indicator of what Ben Zobrist is going to do, because no matter what, if he comes back later this year or not, you need to add another bat regardless. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? He might not even be back until what? August, September. They say we really don't know. So you don't want to <sighs> wait till that. Yeah. Oh boy. Do they miss him? I mean, every game I watch, no, I do. Every game I watch, I think about Ben Zobris not being there. Every time they need a good at-bat from a bottom-of-the-order guy and you get a strikeout or a weak pop-up, you think, man, at least Ben Zobris, if he was in any spot in the lineup, top or bottom, he would have given you at least a good at-bat. 
Yeah, I, his his presence. I think it's it's fairly obvious that he is is missed right now, and and like we've said, his impact goes beyond his fielding and his hitting. It really does. Just having him around and being there, a part of the team, I think, is good for everybody. And I I don't think it's out of the realm of of possibility that that him being gone is has had an effect on the Cubs' recent struggles. Sure. But um, yeah, at, at this point, it's it's tough to say. I hope he comes back. I think that no matter what he does on the field, it, just coming back, period, could be a boost for those guys. But we really don't know. No, so that's why you got to play it like he's not coming back, even if he does come back eventually. You know what I just realized? This is really yeah. random. The Cubs are wearing their home blues at home for the first time in like 10 years tonight. Really? Yeah. They've not done that in that long? I guess more than they've done that before. Really? It's been a long time. Huh. This is very rare these days. No kidding. I just realized that. I'm sorry, that was super random, but I felt like I had to mention that. That's that's interesting, I guess. I kind of wish they would bust out the powder blues the old powder blue unis what's your favorite throwback uniform for the cubs oh man that's i don't even know you go first and give me a moment to think about this because that's there's so many of them i've always liked the 80s uh pullovers i have one of those it's a maddox jersey like it's like the home white with the stripes, but it's like a pullover shirt. It's not a button up. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. It's got the blue brim on the bottom and the top. I really like those. I also really like the 1950s where it's pretty much like the home one today, but the red border around the circular Cubs logo is not as thick. I yeah, like those. yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh any uniform any old uniform that features the the actual bear logo holding the bat, I think those are all really classic. Uh, I like the their old white ones that that weren't pinstripes. They had there's two blue stripes going down each side of the buttons, uh, and then yes. on the and then on the edge of the sleeves with the the Cubs logo on the chest. And it's it's not really like a pure white. It's more of like a cream color. Like a cream, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and they have a. Uh, they have a version of that too with the bear logo instead of the the cubs print which is really great as well so any any of those really old ones are are just awesome i, I wish that i wish all the teams in the league would wear some throwbacks more often than they do what i really love though is when both teams in a game wear throwback uniforms from yep. the same era those games are awesome to watch I mean, there's 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 no other way you could get me interested in watching a couple of last place teams. Do you remember a few years ago, it was in 2015, when the Crosstown Classic was the quote-unquote Banks-Minoso Cup because they both passed away, and they had the one game at Wrigley Field where they both wore the throwbacks from that era? Yeah, I, it's awesome. I wish they'd do that more often. You see the Reds are wearing all those throwbacks this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. really cool. The yeah. Reds have some great throwback unis. They really do. 
all those all those really old teams, everything they wore way back in the day, like like a hundred years ago, awesome stuff. You know what I think is like the best simple uniform ever mm. is that old Boston uh, uniform where it's just like white with red caps. Like okay. there's nothing on it, but it like yeah, it's such an old school feel. Here's another Cubs uniform I just thought of that's awesome. Uh, really dark navy blue, navy blue jersey, navy blue pants with just the white Cubs logo. Yes. It's got the bear in the middle of the seat. Yes. Those are cool. And it's it's that kind of jersey that it's got buttons halfway down. It's not really a pullover, but it's not really a button up either. It's just got buttons halfway down from the neck down to your to your belly. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're those talking about. Those are cool. Yes. Those really dark navy ones. Those are awesome. I know back in the late 90s when they started interleague play, they wore those during one of the Crosstown series, and I wish they'd do that again. Yeah, they really should. Man, we should have had Eric on for this episode. because I, I know, know he's, he's right? Kinda, he's kind of our Cubby's Crib resident uniform guy. Oh, he could talk about any uniform. Yeah, we might College, have to do that one of these MLB. days, have him on and do a uniform episode. Yeah. We should. That's a good idea. We haven't had Eric on this show in quite some time. And in case you don't know, Eric Morrow, one of our writers here, very talented writer, very big Cubs fan. Um, and I know he also likes the Reds a lot as well. So he could probably tell you a lot about some of those old Reds uniforms. And You know, the funny thing is, you look at the Cincinnati Reds, they still are like the most classic looking ball club in in baseball. Oh, yeah. The, their uniforms. Yeah, yeah their logo, their, their current uniforms. The Reds the Reds are a cool franchise. I don't know that they're run particularly well anymore, and they they're obviously haven't been good for quite a while. But as a franchise, they've got cool history. They've got a great look. Yeah, they absolutely do. Absolutely. I think the way they wear the high socks, too, is awesome. Oh, high socks all the way. High socks just look cool. I I dig it. Not, I not think a everyone fan. should do that. Not a fan of the of the, the baggy pants. Just just don't think it, it looks as good. I get that it might be more comfortable for some of those guys, but there's nothing classic about that look. Yeah, I don't think you'll see as many baggy uniforms these days. But you know what? I mean, maybe 40 years from now, that those baggy pants will be a classy, a classic look. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, at this point, it's, it's still a fairly new thing, right? I mean, that's has, has the baggy pants thing even been around for 30 years? That's a good question. That is a very, very good question. 20 years even? I don't know. Yeah, that would require some research. I'm yeah. better with eras of how uniforms look mm-hmm. rather than how they like fit on, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I ju- what, I ju- uniforms uniforms got tighter in, what, the 70s? Mm-hmm. Just in general? Around yeah, there? And, and, and pretty much all sports, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it's look at football, too. I'm like, man, NFL players, college players back in the day, they looked like what we wore at practice in middle school. Like their game uniforms just look like something you put, you pulled out of a, a closet that hasn't been touched in 20 years. And guys, I honestly, it doesn't look sleek, but I thought, I think it looks awesome because guys just look like killing machines in those big baggy uniforms, it, mostly in football. 
I think a lot of it had to do with the padding that they wore back then was much bigger than it is now. I mean, especially the shoulder pads were just massive, and guys just looked like these big, burly madmen. You don't really see that anymore, but, and I get that it, you know, smaller padding and tighter uniforms probably better for your movement overall, but I just don't think guys look as, as menacing as they used to. No, I agree with you there. Also, completely unrelated, the Cubs just committed the worst double play you will ever see. Like they hit into a terrible you, double they play? They didn't hit into they it, just... they ran into it. So the bases were loaded. Alzali is up. He bunts through a strike. Javi goes on the pitch. He's caught up in a rundown. Wilson Contreras tries to make it to third, and he's out there, and that ended the inning. Cubes. Hashtag cubes. Yeah. Maybe we can get some hashtag barves, though, coming up. That'd be nice. Oh, that would be nice. Here's the other irritating thing. If you look at the replay, it looked like Willie was kind of safe. But that's neither here or there. They, they, Madden did not challenge. Okay. But, yeah, yikes. Uh, Since we're speaking throwback, we have a few minutes here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Mm. All right. Fine. Put me on the spot. Former Cub. Name a guy. Let's talk about him. First former Cub that comes off the top of your head. The very first one? Okay, since we're doing, like, really classic uniforms, Three Finger Brown. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, that is Anybody whose name is Mordecai is awesome. And if your nickname is Three Finger, even better. I don't think he liked how he got that nickname, but I think... No, uh, probably not. He made that incident... He, he turned it into a, a Hall of Fame career. I mean, that's essentially oh, what yeah. he did. 206 ERA in 14 years. I mean, that's, that's a different era, obviously. You can't, you can't look at that the same way you look at something like that now. But still. Yeah, I mean, the guy pitched 300-plus innings on multiple occasions. You're never going to see that now. But 342 yeah. innings in 1909. 342 uh-huh. innings. That's, abs- that's asinine. That's absolutely unheard of. With a sub two ERA, yeah, that's, and everybody that's knows that's insane. <laughs> it is. Everybody who knows him or watched him back in the day or has read about him, uh, the curveball he threw, he was able to command because he didn't have the the index finger. He used his middle finger to kind of put a nice big arc on it. I mean, that was one of the keys to his game was being able to use the lack of an index finger to put special movement and change, change speeds on the pitches. Makes you wonder. Talk about using it to your advantage. Makes you wonder. If he could do that in 1909, I wonder why you don't see even one guy do it today. With, I mean, the, it's, it's, you just can't even put it into words, the advancements in medicine that they've, they've made in over 100 years since then. I mean, I know the game is different. You, you bullpen wasn't really even close to to what it is now back in 1909. But I don't know. I mean, a guy could go 300 plus pitches in 1909 and have a 15 year career. But if you go over 250 in 2019, you're you're going to blow your arm out. 
It's some there's got to be something to that, right? Well, I just think back then there were injuries to players that they played through because they didn't have the technology to know about it then. So they just kind of played through it, not knowing their arm was like screwed up or their knee was screwed up. Yeah, that's I guess that's fair enough. That's a they valid say point. that Mickey Mantle back in the 50s, uh, that he had multiple torn ligaments and he played on those. But they didn't yeah. really have ACL surgeries back then or they didn't have the fancy technology we have today to diagnose that kind of thing and properly rehabilitate him. But the guy tore his knee up like crazy and he still played through it. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a, that's a solid point you make there, my friend. Well, thank you. But it would be very interesting to see a lot of those guys play in today's game. Uh, we don't know how fast they threw. We don't know really how physically well they were at the time of their of them playing. We do know that they had sweet mustaches back then. Facial yes, hair did. back in that day was on freaking point. And I really wish we could see more of that. In today's game, we just see, you know, regular old Joe Schmo kind of beard, mostly. We don't see very many awesome mustaches anymore, which is super regrettable. Uh, what's his name from the A's, the pitcher? Alex Mengden. Isn't that... You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Seen Mengden pitch. He's got the nice handlebar mustache. Looks like he's straight out of the 1920s. Need more of that. Need more of those guys. I think the last great mustache was Corky Miller. You remember Corky Miller? Corky Miller. I feel like I should with a name like that, but he was a big, burly. Oh, he's kind of got the kind of got the Gossage mustache. Yeah, the Gossage slash uh, Rod Beck look. Yeah, that guy. God, he was a big burly dude. Holy cow! And he was like he was like a triple A player that had some big league time, but he was very, he was one of those very popular triple a players. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 There's, there's guys like that. Sure. He's like Brian Scalabrini was in the NBA. Like he wasn't necessarily good, but he was a guy that you could like because of his uniqueness. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I would love to keep talking about this, but we are just about out of time here on climbing the Ivy. Adam, thanks again for coming on. Good show today. Good show, my good man. Just a reminder, you could listen to this podcast on iTunes.com. You could also check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. Be sure to check their page out on Facebook as well. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.